Hey, hey, glad you're here. Listen, if you had the power to look into the future and you found out that in about 12 hours you were going to begin suffering a torturous death, what would you do for those 12 hours leading up to that? Years ago, uh, Dr. Carl Menninger was asked, if someone felt a nervous breakdown coming on, what would you suggest that he do? And that famous psychiatrist said, I would urge him to find somebody with a problem, a serious one, and get involved with that individual, helping him solve his problem. It's interesting to observe what Jesus did with his last 12 hours before enduring his agonizing violent death. Time was short. The kingdom Jesus was establishing on earth as it was in heaven was a kingdom built on service, a kingdom where its members searched first for ways in which to serve, not to be served. But here was Jesus with his disciples, those who he would leave responsible to carry on with the building of this seek-to-serve-first kingdom. And these very disciples were arguing with each other over their positions in this kingdom. Who would have the greatest seat in this kingdom? For three years, Jesus has preached and exampled selfless service, but his followers are slow on the take. So... On Jesus' final evening with his closest students during their final meal, the Last Supper, Jesus got involved with helping them solve a serious problem. The problem was a lack of love. Look at the very first verse, chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus is about to show his full extent of his love to, to his disciples. Well, I want to see that. Well, to make uh, even more drama of the moment, look at what John writes in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now wait. Let's think about this for just a moment. In less than 12 hours, Jesus knows that he's going to die. And Jesus knows that he has all power. And he knows that he comes from God and that he's to return to God. I think the question is, what would you do with that kind of knowledge and power? I'm not sure what I would do. But we know what Jesus did. It starts in verse 4. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Would that kind of power and knowledge prompt you to serve? Well, maybe if we knew who we were and where we were from and where we were going and what kind of kingdom we were trying to build. Maybe. Jesus is showing us what the full extent of love looks like. In a word, 
Service. It is to serve. And think about this time. 2,000 years ago, one of the jobs reserved for the lowest of servants was that of foot washing. I mean, people and animals traveled together on the same roads and paths filled with dirt and manure. Foot washing was both necessary and nasty. Jesus and his disciples walk into an upper room that has been completely prepared. The food is there, the table is right, everything's good. And over in the corner, there would have been a jar of water there for the foot washing. But there was no servant there. So everyone in the room knew it needed to be done, but no one made the move. You see, when you're jockeying for a prominent position in an organization, you want to be perceived as a person to be served, not to serve. Why? Because in the kingdoms of humanity, the leaders are never seen as lowly servants. No. In those days, if no servant was there, why, you'd just wash your own feet. I mean, you'd do that. we wash our hands before we eat. You'd, you, you would take care of it. It wasn't something that slipped their mind. But you see, nobody wanted to wash anybody else's feet. They wanted their feet to be washed. They wanted to be served. And never would a host wash his guest's feet, let alone would a rabbi wash his disciples' feet. That was unthinkable. But you see, Jesus knew that his followers had a serious problem with their own pride and in not yet understanding the nature of this seek-to-serve-first kingdom. <laughs> What's worse, think about the kind of feet that Jesus was washing. Feet that belonged to a betrayer, Judas. Feet that belonged to a denier, Peter. Feet that belonged to a doubter, Thomas. And the rest of the feet belonged to people who would abandon Jesus in his most desperate hour. Do we know people like this? Do you know anyone like this? The kind of person who would serve somebody that would sell them out? The kind of person that would serve others that would join an opposition against them? A person who would serve people who were going to struggle with doubts and question everything that you would ever do and say? Or who would end up just running away and leaving you alone? We've never met anyone who loves to the full extent like Jesus. But we catch glimpses of it every now and again. During our revolution, a man in civilian clothes came upon a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. And their leader was barking out instructions but making no attempt to help these soldiers, and the man in civilian clothes asked the leader why he wasn't helping them, and he retorted in dignity, Sir, I am a corporal. <laughs> the stranger apologized and started helping the exhausted soldiers himself. And when the job was finished, he turned to the corporal and he said, Mr. Corporal, the next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, you go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. That was George Washington. Don't you love that story? It begs a question. Who gave our first president that kind of heart of service? Well, maybe we would do best to let him answer that. 
I found a couple of excerpts from prayers that he prayed. Look at this one. O most glorious God, direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb. And purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit. Daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Thou gavest thy Son to die for me, and hast given me assurance and salvation. Incredible, huh? Look at this excerpt from another prayer. Let me live according to these holy rules which thou hast this day prescribed in thy holy word. Direct me to the true object, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. After you read some of what he wrote, see some of what he prayed, is there any doubt where our first president received his serving heart? He had a pattern he was trying to follow. In the late 1800s, a, a large group of European pastors attended one of D.L. Moody's infamous Northfield Bible conferences. And following the European custom of that time, each guest placed his shoes outside of his dormitory door to be cleaned by the hall servant overnight. The problem was, this wasn't Europe, this was America, and there were no hall servants in this dormitory. And while walking the halls that night, Moody saw the shoes, and he determined not to embarrass his brothers. And he gathered up all of those shoes, and alone in his room, this world-famous evangelist began cleaning and polishing each pair. Well, an unexpected friend came in on Moody that night and he saw what he was doing in secret. And the next morning, the foreign visitors found their shoes outside of their door, shined and ready, having absolutely no idea that D.O. Moody did it. Moody told no one, but that unexpected visitor to him that night before told a few. And for the rest of that conference, different men would do that job in secret. Now, Moody set the example that others followed, but it still begs the question, who set the example for Moody? Well, maybe this quote from him will provide an answer. Christ is our way. We walk in him. He is our truth. We embrace him. He is our life. We live in Him. He is our Lord. We choose Him to rule over us. He is our Master. We serve Him. He is our Teacher, instructing us in the way of salvation. It couldn't be clearer who set the example for Moody. What we see in Moody, what we see in President Washington, is a glimpse of Christ himself. Now this heart of service does not come through mere human effort. Oh no. The servant's heart comes only from the Spirit of God. For the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then the Spirit of God needs to fall fresh on us. 
The evidence of God's influence is all around us. The question is, will we invite him in and let him influence us?